Hello, everybody. My name is Joe. Uh, I'm the associate pastor here if we haven't got a chance to meet, and I'm excited to be able to bring uh, God's word um, to us this morning. We'll be in the letter of 1 Peter. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, um, we'll be in 1 Peter chapter 2. We get to start a new chapter today, which is awesome. And uh, we're going to continue in our series entitled Perseverance. So if you're able, will you, will you stand with me as we, as we read this passage together as a church family? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through, thir- 1 through 3 says this. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You may be seated. So chapter 2, we begin a new chapter today. Chapter 2 begins with so, or therefore, and it's a continuation of what was just said in the previous chapter at the end of chapter 1. Chapter 1 concludes with Peter's call for the church to sincerely love one another because of our new life in Jesus Christ. Because of the saving gospel truth, believers have a new life and a new capability to love. And so let's just go back really quick um, to the end of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. Let's read that together. So if you have your Bibles, follow with me. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So what is, what is Peter saying? This text is referring to the gospel message. We, the church, should have sincere love for one another. Since we have been born again, or as John talks about, born from above, born of God, this radical love that we have is a natural outcome of our true faith in Christ. And just as all human beings have a physical birth, We also experience a spiritual birth when we come to faith in Christ. We are changed. We are transformed into a new person. We belong to a new family and can display this radical love. And so when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, or as Peter calls it here in the text, obedience to the truth. So when we are saved, we're spiritually born again, born from above by the living and abiding word of God. What is that? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of faith in Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection, we live a new spirit-empowered life and a new spirit-empowered ability to love. And it's a love that, that the world can't offer, only those through Christ. We have been cleansed from our impure past. And so the, what Peter is saying before we get to chapter 2, this, this big therefore, what is Peter's call for us? Let's be reminded of this. Peter's call is for the church to do what it is already capable of doing. The call is for the church to do what it's already capable of doing. By God's grace and goodness and power, the Christian and the church are capable of supernatural, supernatural 
not of this world type of love. And so Peter is basically saying, live consistent with who you already are. You have a new life, a new ability to love. And today we're going to be focused on how the gospel transforms us and gives us new desires. We have a new life, a new ability to love. And today we'll focus on how the gospel gives us new desires. Which brings us to the text today. So, therefore, put away, get rid of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Just like newborn infants, babies, they they desire, they long for the pure spiritual milk that by it they may grow into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So Peter is saying, since God has done this good work in and through you because of Jesus, you are now a new person and you have a new love. And therefore, this is what we're going to be focusing on for today. Because we can't just jump into chapter 2 without realizing where we came from. We're going to be focusing on how to get rid of everything in our lives that is not loving. Peter's call is get rid of everything in your life that is not loving, that is not in accordance with your new life in Christ. And second, desire, long for the word of God, the gospel. First, get rid of everything in your life that is not loving. We'll look at verse 1. And then second, desire, long for God's word, the good news of Jesus Christ. We'll take a look at verse 2 and 3. Before we jump into this, uh, let's pray together as a church family. We pray with me. Lord, thank you so much uh, for uh, this morning, for a new day. And uh, Lord, we get to experience... um, newness of knowing you each and every day. Thank you for the lives that we have. Thank you so much that we can come together just to jump into this new chapter. And I pray, Lord, by your spirit that you will speak to us, that you will take us one step further in our relationship with you. Lord, we so desire and long after you, even being here today and getting up in the morning and driving here. Lord, is a We're saying to you, Lord, we we want to be changed. We want to be in community. We want to grow. May that be our desire. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, verse 1. Get rid of everything in your life that is not loving. In verse 1, Peter lists five common sins. And he wants these five sins to be eliminated from the Christian life. So he says, therefore, put away, get rid of all of these five things. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, and slander. So before coming to Bethany, I worked a four-month temp job with my friend who was a general contractor. He was a cool guy. He was able to give me um, a little bit of work, and we built all sorts of things together, fences and patio decks and bathroom remodels, and I spent my days painting and cleaning and remodeling homes and businesses. And if you've ever, ever worked construction before, you know that if you just started construction again or, or you, if you're first getting into the business, you understand how exhausting it is and how much of a toll it takes on your body. And so at the end of the day, I was just sore, beaten, and bruised, and I, I was tired, but I was very excited to come home to see my family. And the first thing I did when I got home was say hello to my family, but then I would immediately go and clean up. I would take a shower because I was filthy from working all day. And I would put my dirty clothes, my dirty work clothes, I would get rid of them, and I would throw them in the dirty clothes basket. But let me just uh, stop for a second and say, what happens if I went and cleaned up, and then I went back into that dirty basket and grabbed my work clothes and put them back on. What happens if I just went to the restroom, uh, bathroom, and I I washed my hands and got rid of some sawdust and and the paint in my fingernails, and then I went out and I was like, hey, Amanda, I'm I'm all done. I'm ready to hang out with the kids. 
That would be nonsense. I remember one early morning I woke up and get to get ready for work, and, and I got all my work clothes ready, um, but I couldn't find my work socks. Now, if you're ever in construction, you understand that you don't just wear normal socks, you wear work socks. And so they go along with your boot. They're usually um, like mid-calf, um, thick cotton, well-constructed socks to be worn with your, with your work, work boots. And I have these steel toe boots that I love. And so not wanting to be late for work and not being able to find a new pair of socks, I reached back into the dirty clothes basket and pulled out the socks from the previous day. And the socks were bad. Eight hours of sweating in the summer heat. And they were damp, and they were smelly, and they were sitting there for a while. And they were going outside. It was kind of cold, and the sun wasn't even out. And I reluctantly pulled these socks back onto my feet, and it was absolutely disgusting. In the text, we read of five sins the Christians were called to put away, to get rid of, to take off, and to keep out of their life. And Peter and Paul and the New Testament, we, we read of this, you were once this, but now you are this. You were once this, you, but now you are this. The Christian can so easily forget that we have a new life. We are a new creation. We are a new person in Christ. Paul in Romans uses the word flesh to describe this gravitational pull that we all experience back towards sin. And yet we don't have two natures. We don't have a spiritual nature and a sinful nature when we come to faith in Christ, like that cartoon where there's like a a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. And then as Christians, we have to figure out, what am I going to do today? Who am I going to live for today? No, we are born of God. We are born from above And so we have not a sinful nature because the sins were paid for by Jesus' death on a cross and his resurrection, which we have celebrated as a church family this month. And we have a spiritual nature, a new self, a new creation. And so Peter lists five common sins, their thoughts, their impulses, desires that push us away and keep us from loving each other well. And he's calling us to live consistent with our new life. Get rid of the old habits. This is not who you are, and live in this new reality of who you are in Christ. And so let's begin the list together. So therefore, because of all that Christ has done in your life, get rid of these things. He begins with malice. What is malice? Uh, Malice is a general word for sin. It refers to evilness and wickedness. Malice, Malice comes in all types of shapes and forms, but it's the desire to hurt or to harm someone or especially see someone else hurt or harmed. Malice is when you act or deliberately have ill will towards another person in your life. I remember I worked for this boss who, uh, who didn't treat me that well. Um, there were characteristics of deceit and of hypocrisy and how this individual operated this business and how they treated um, their employees. Um, can you think back to the worst job that you ever had? Think back to that moment. I don't know if it was a season or if it was a long time for you. How does that environment or that person make you feel today? Well, for me with this job, this is my worst job, um, weeks and weeks I collected and held on to these feelings, ill will feelings towards this individual. And several months working there, I finally found a new job and I was so excited to leave. And so sometime later, I heard of a story of this person's beach home right on the water. And apparently heavy storms had caused water to wash up onto their property, which posed a threat to their home. Upon hearing this, I began to think, bummer for you. Not my problem. 
That's what you get when you live so close to the water. What goes around comes around. You see, all these past feelings came back. And in that moment, I didn't care about the possible troubles ahead um, in this person's life with who they were or what, what, they, what they owned. And so this was malice. This was evil thoughts and intent. And so what are some signs of malice in our life? In our life? Um, do you have evil thoughts, intentions, or actions towards others? Have you ever desired to see wickedness, pain, or suffering come to someone else? If so, this is the opposite of Christian love. Peter tells us to get rid of it, to throw it in the basket. Don't put it back on. The second thing he talks about is deceit. Maybe you know what deceit is. Deceit is trickery, dishonesty, falsehood. It's lies and half-truths. The word here is used for fishing, to bait a hook. Fishing is all about trying to deceive fish with lures and baits, and I'm not really good at it. I tried um, fly fishing. I was out there for like three hours. didn't catch a single thing. I'm really bad at deceiving fish. But deceit is any attempt to deceive one another by means of trickery. Deceit is so popular in our culture. The intentional misleading of information or of others, it's all over the place. It's in, in the fine print. So what are some signs of deceit that we can look out for? Do you find yourself intentionally misleading others? Do you tell lies or half-truths? Do you trick others to gain personal advantage? Peter says to get rid of these ways. Third, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is putting on a show. It's hiding real intentions. It's a theatrical word used of actors speaking behind a mask, a stage actor who pretends to be something that they're not, who puts on a new face. Um, I did this pretty well in high school. Um, being a pastor's kid, I had my, I had my church mask, and then I had my regular, ma- regular mask that I would hang out with, with friends. Um, do we uh, have our church self and then present ourselves differently, uh, maybe at our workplace or around our friends and family? What are some signs of hypocrisy? Do you, act, um, do you act one way on the inside and another way on the outside? Do you pretend to be someone that you're not? Do you say one thing and then do another? That is hypocrisy. Peter tells us to get rid of it. Fourth is envy, which is jealous, jealousy or jealous feelings, bitterness, and grudges. This is probably one that I struggle with today the most. Uh, my, fam- my family and I, we always take evening walks, and we live in this place where there's, there's these historic homes that are, around, that are around us. And so when we first moved there, I was just walking every single home. I'm just like, this is so awesome. I'm so jealous. I wish I had, I wish I had that type of house. It was kind of the father of the bride houses. I'm just surrounded by them. And so I get jealous until I see home repairs. And then I'm not so jealous because I can just call my landlord up. But I probably struggle with jealousy the most. It's a deep desire to have another, uh, something that another person possesses. What are some signs of, uh, I'm sorry, of envy? I struggle with that the most. What are some signs of en- envy? Do you struggle with jealous thoughts or jealous, um, are you jealous over other people's blessings? Do you have a hard time celebrating someone else's successes? Or do you get upset when you don't have what someone else has? That's envy. Get rid of it. And lastly, Peter talks about slander, which is malicious or evil speech, gossip, sarcasm, backbiting. Slander can take on various forms, but it's words that can be used as a weapon. 
Slander is used in our culture to defame people, to destroy a person's reputation, and it's so prevalent today. I've probably been hurt the most from other people by slander. What are some signs of slander in your life? Do you struggle with gossip or sarcasm? Do you talk down to people or find yourself treating others, um, tearing down others with your words? Do you enjoy hearing or spreading rumors? That is slander. And all these sins, these five sins, these common sins, are opposite of gospel love. Where do you find yourself struggling the most with this list that Peter gives us? And then what has impacted you? What has affected you the most in your relationships? And Peter's not just putting together this list to shame the church. He's just saying he wants the Spirit to come alongside us and to correct us, to align us, to bring us back to who we really are in Christ. And I love the fact that Peter doesn't, doesn't leave us and tell us, just put away these sins, but he also explains how it's possible. He doesn't say just to try harder, to do better, to fix yourself, to be your own savior. He's saying, get rid of these, this junk, get rid of this junk food, and be nourished by the truths of God. So first, we learn, get rid of everything in your life that is not loving. By the power of the Spirit, through Christ and his work on the cross, get rid of those things. And second, desire Long for the word of God, the good news of Jesus, the gospel. In verse 2, Peter wants his readers to act like babies who are hungry for the word of God. Follow with me in verse 2. Like newborn infants, babies, long for pure spiritual milk. Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Like newborn infants, there are some strong desires that humans have, but one of the strongest desires is a baby's need and want and desire for milk. I have a little six-month-old, and he's at this, uh, he's my little dude, and he's at this chunky stage. He's, he's, he's getting so yoked, and uh, he's drinking so much milk. He's starting to eat um, food, and uh, our, our, our cost of food bill is, is slowly going up because of this little guy, and he's growing like crazy. But Peter's not just talking about baby Christians here. He's using a metaphor. He's talking about all Christians. Peter is saying, just like a newborn baby desires and longs for milk, those who are spiritually born again, born of God, should desire and crave pure spiritual milk, spiritual truth. Like a newborn baby, do what babies do. Long for and desire spiritual truth. It doesn't matter if you're new to the faith in Jesus or you've been walking with him majority of your life, desiring the word of God, the gospel, is required to grow spiritually. Long for the pure spiritual milk. Pure, uncontaminated spiritual milk is synonymous with the word of God. So Peter doesn't tell us just to learn the word, study scripture. He doesn't tell us just to learn or study or teach or memorize or listen to the word. He tells us to long for and desire the word of God before anything else. Long for and desire the word of God, the gospel. In chapter 1, verse 25, Peter says, And this word, this word, this truth is the good news of Jesus Christ that was preached to you. And so a few questions. Are you regularly nourished by the word of God, the good news of Jesus Christ? Are you growing in your love and knowledge of Jesus? Do you desire to be with Jesus. And so how do we know that we're growing? 
How do we know that we're growing in respect to salvation, which we'll talk about here in a little bit? How do we know that we're growing as a new person in Christ? Is your life moving away from malice and slander and envy and jealousy and deceit? And is it moving towards love? Do you long for and desire and crave scripture and your savior? We need God's truth just like a baby needs milk. And in scripture, we come face to face with our savior. And uh, I was trying to wrestle through this text this past week and um, trying to figure out where people were landing the plane with this text. And there were some people who were just saying, hey, Peter's just saying, read your Bibles. Like, get into the word. Are you reading your Bibles? Are you spending time in the word today? And is this important? Yes, vastly. But even Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think they give you life, but the scriptures point to me. I love how the ESV study Bible puts it. The study of scripture does not by itself impart life. Rather, scriptures bear witness to the one who gives life, namely Jesus. And so some of us as Christians have deep desires desire for biblical knowledge, desire for information, desire to live rightly, desire to lead others well. Some of us have really deep desires, but the desire just for biblical knowledge is a revolving door. It's like the dog chasing his tail. The desire just for information just just puffs up. It's like a professional bodybuilder at the gym just keep getting bigger and bigger. It puffs up. The desire just for right behavior just focuses on your own morality and how you're doing by doing the right things instead of doing the wrong things. Even in the church, we have this like desire for like biblical leadership. We're just saying, hey, we want, we want scripture just to inform how we are to be um, men and women in leadership within the business world. And those are all good things, but the desire here is the desire for God and the gospel. That's what it's all about. Let's not miss that. One author writes, just as you were brought into being by the word of God, the gospel, you were brought into being by that. You were born again by that. Long for what brought you into being so that you may be sustained. What are your desires today that don't give you true life? What are your desires today that don't really give you true nutrients? Peter says to get rid of that junk food, to focus on Jesus, the source and the one who sustains us. He says that by this, you may grow up into salvation. That by the word, the gospel truth, you may grow into salvation. And this focuses on the sanctification aspect of salvation. We are not just saved from something. We are also saved for something. Salvation is a past decision and an ongoing process. And by it, the word of God, you may grow into salvation. Anybody can read scripture. Anybody can read the Bible, but believing in Jesus for everything is what changes us. He is the perfect source of life. And Jesus lived a life without any form of malice or envy or slander or hypocrisy or jealousy. And this is good news, which brings us into verse three. It's good news if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Believers who have tasted, experienced the good news, goodness and grace and kindness of the Lord, we're expected to grow. And we experience the goodness first at conversion. When we first put our faith and trust in Jesus, Peter is saying, church, you already know Christ, and you have been blessed, and you've seen the wonderful works of the cross and Jesus' resurrection. 
You've tasted it. Therefore, continue to desire God. If you have tasted the goodness and the kindness of the Lord, you are going to long for it more. We don't just graduate from Jesus. We grow up into Christ. He's saying, if you got a little taste of the love of God through Christ Jesus, continue to get more. Have you tasted and experienced the goodness of God? If Jesus is not good news to your bad news, you don't know him. If Jesus is not the one you go back to, if you've moved past him and looked onto other things or, or other, other people to save you, you're missing it. And let me just share a few things um, before we close. And I'm going to close with a, with a passage in Philippians chapter 3. Um, there's, there's two things that really have changed my desires. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that God has changed um, in my life, but two things that have radically changed me is when I got married and when I had kids. Those are some pivotal life moments. And so I remember back when I first got married to Amanda, and uh, it was awesome, but then I got landed this church, and within the first year, um, they were like, hey, Joe, you're going to go on a, a mission trip. And I'm like, okay, where are we going? They're like, we're going to Tanzania, Africa. I was like, great, how long am I going to be gone for? And they're like, a little over two weeks. Um, if there's any single people <laughs> in the room, um, your first year of marriage, do not be gone from, from your spouse for two weeks. It's a long time. And I remember I went to Africa, and I was gone, and I just, the whole entire time, I just longed to be back with Amanda. I was, remember, like, having my old phone and, like, trying to find, like, Wi-Fi signals so I can call her. So I could have I called her, which I did. I could have left her notes and flowers before I left. I could have I written her there, even though I probably wouldn't have got to her for a long, long time. I could have done all these things. But what was, what was the foundational thing that I was experiencing? I was desiring her. I was desiring to be with my bride. It was an intense heartache that I experienced. The other thing that has impacted me and my desires are my kids. And I remember when I first got hired here at Bethany, my office is up above the, the preschool playground. And I dropped my daughter off at preschool. And I said bye. And usually when you drop your child off, you can just kind of go away and go to work. I was just like right there. Like I was hearing like her like scream and cry and have fun outside and just enjoy the day. And all I wanted to do was to stop working and to go out and hang out with her. I wanted to drop everything because I dropped my baby girl off at school and I just so badly wanted to be with her. So what was the, what was the foundational thing that I was experiencing? There was this deep desire to be with my child. I believe God has that for us. We all have stories of deep longing for something or someone. And so this week, may we desire to move closer to our, in our relationship with God. May we just understand that desire. May that inform our study and our meditation. May that inform our, our learning. May that inform our conversations. Just waking up, having a desire, going to bed, having a desire. Desiring God with everything because he has changed everything. believing in Jesus, that he is the true and the better one. Let's close by, uh, by reading um, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 14. I'll read that out loud, and then we'll pray together. This was the desire that Paul had. This is how God has changed him. He says this in verse 7 of chapter 3 in Philippians. It's a popular verse. But whatever gain I had, I considered a loss for the sake of Christ. 
whatever gain, lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth, the value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's an awesome desire. Let's pray. Lord, as I've been working through this text this past week, and as we have now heard, Lord, this this verse, we read it together. Lord, it's a call to live the life, Lord, that we are called to live. Be consistent, Lord, for those of us that know Christ. Be consistent, Lord, with, with who we are in you. And to get rid, Lord, of everything that is not loving. And so often, Lord, even when working through this verse, it seems to be that, that those are things that, that either we are doing or that happen to us. But Lord, even, even when we focus on this verse, Lord, we need to get rid of even some of the things that we do to ourselves. Maybe there's someone here, Lord, that is experiencing self-hatred, self-doubt. Maybe there's someone here that's just talking to themselves in a negative way on a regular basis, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as we follow you, that whether it's us speaking things that are untrue to others, whether it's other people, Lord, speaking things to us, or whether it's us speaking these things over ourselves, Lord, I pray you would change us. I pray, Lord, that we will desire your truth above all else. We will focus, Lord, in on you and desire you, God, and desire your word that is revealed to us, Lord, through your scriptures that tell us of the good news of your son, Jesus. And may we desire that good news. May we speak that good news over everything, all the time. We thank you for the reminder, Lord, I'm from Peter this morning. Thank you for this letter. I pray, Lord, we continue to grow in our knowledge and faith of you. We love you, we thank you, and we continue to worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen.